Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hi, my name is Grigor Dimitrov, and you're listening to Tennis Podcast. Hi, I'm Mats Villander, and you are listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to our final tennis podcast of 2015, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, and fittingly, for the last of the year, this one will feature the Tennis Podcast Awards. Who's the player of the year? The most improved player of the year. Who's had the most spectacular meltdown and the worst outfit? It's all here on the Tennis Podcast. My name is David Law. Alongside me is Catherine Whittaker. We're recording this end-of-year podcast, fittingly, Catherine Whittaker, inside the Royal Albert Hall, which is our final event of the year. It's been a lot of fun, hasn't it? Yeah, crucially, in the backstage area of the Royal Albert Hall, we're not actually out there. We haven't got a crowd of 3,000 people. Uh, well, you're ducking me, aren't you? Because I wanted a rematch from last year and you refused. Go out on a high, is what I say. If you're at the top, why risk it? That's right. Right. Well, the one problem with our deciding who's the player of the year and all this sort of thing is who's actually going to decide who's right? That's the big problem we have. However, we have the perfect solution to this problem because we are joined for the first time ever in the three and a half years that we've been bringing the tennis podcast to you with none other than the former Wimbledon referee, Mr. Alan Mills. Alan, it is an absolute pleasure to have you with us here on the Tennis Podcast. And today, inside the Royal Albert Hall, was a really special day because it was the day that you announced your retirement from refereeing tennis. You were here at the Champions Tennis and you had a presentation on court. John McEnroe said some very nice words. All the players were out there. It was great to have you out there. And I hope you enjoyed it as well. Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was very emotional as far as I was concerned. And the fact to have John McEnroe making the talk up on behalf of all the players was a bonus. Because you've been through a lot, I mean, on the tennis tour in general, but particularly with John. Are there any, what, what, what highlights stand out for you from a career that spans many, many decades and you're such a, an integral part of the face of Wimbledon? Uh, difficult to say, actually, but I mean, I think as I mentioned in, this afternoon that John was the first person that called me out onto court, you know, when I was refereeing. It was on the first day of my first day of refereeing at the qualifying in Roehampton. Suddenly get this call, and said, so there's an 18-year-old American out on court 15 <laughs> and say, who wants to see the referee. Uh, and really, I knew him by name, but... And he didn't have the reputation he's had all through his career. So I went out there to see what was happening, and it turned out he was absolutely right, as his opponent was right, because they were both arguing. In fact, the poor chair umpire 
must have been seeing double or something, but every time the ball landed in the tram lines, he called it in. And so we decided he thought he was umpiring a doubles match and not a singles match. So I actually tried to, I went on court and tried to persuade him he wasn't feeling too well, you know, and that he better come down. And all I got from him, every time I mentioned it, I'm perfectly all right, I'm perfectly all right. So I said, I'm sorry, then I'm going to have to remove you from the chair and put somebody else in. And all he was worried about was what it was going to do to his officiating career. Incidentally, I've never seen him since. (laughs) (laughs) Probably for the best. Um, So sometimes John McEnroe was actually right when you had him out there. But he was was really quite moving to listen to the words he had to say about yourself on the court. He, He said you were a player's referee, and in his words, you were one of the very few, in fact, possibly the only one, who actually tried to keep him on the court when he was misbehaving how, how did you when you went out there and there were situations with him uh, what mindset did you go out there with and how did you deal with it well mainly actually with John I mean having got to know him over the years and certainly at the beginning I thought that if you answered his question straight away whether he believed you or not you usually found, looked at him his head usually went to one side quizzical look on his face and then he said, okay, and got on with it. If you got into a discussion with him, you lost. And that was it. <laughs> yes, I've had similar experiences uh, myself over the years. Just, just generally, Alan, what, what do you think, for, for anybody who ever wanted to go into officiating and, and seize the job of a referee, what, what do you think are the, the most important elements to, to the job that you did over the years? Well, I think you've got to be fairly calm, and the fact you should have a tennis background, I think that is absolutely essential. I was lucky that I played tennis to a reasonable standard. So when I started at Wimbledon, I think I got the respect of the players fairly quickly. Uh, probably I did the right things in the first, you know, first tournaments, first couple of tournaments. But and then I got to know the players, you know, and we we had a good rapport all the time. And I think a tennis background calm sort of exterior irrespective of what you're feeling inside you've got to show it to be a calm exterior and um and from then on it was just you know keep that going all the time and also i think a feeling a a ability a mathematical ability because in those days you know there were no computers when it started and the order to play was all done by hand and written in pencil and rubbed out and started moved around and I also had a quite a large committee to deal with who all had their own ideas of what should happen so there was no um, computers or the first thing was when we got the thing what I forget what they called it now actually but a computer that all it did was showed you that you couldn't put a player first match and second match you know you had these things you had to keep turning around but that didn't stop the committee from changing to run <laughs> you had to be quite the diplomat that much is, is clear well it's it's fantastic to have you with us here on the tennis podcast and we are going to crack on with our awards because we need to be able to decide who is the best at this and the best at that and Catherine Whitaker and I are going to make our minds up we've asked you at tennis podcast on twitter as well Catherine we're going to start with player of the year who are you going for uh, I think it's a, a two-horse race, clearly, uh, between Serena Williams and Novak Djokovic. Um, I have chosen Novak Djokovic because I think the, they, they each won three 
grand slams you know in terms of the numbers and the stats they're pretty much even I've gone for Novak Djokovic because I think his nearest rivals are greater rivals to him and he still won three grand slam this this year and I've also gone for him because I think the one grand slam he didn't win he was he didn't lose that he had it taken away from him whereas I think Serena will have more regrets about the US Open than Djokovic perhaps has about the French Open because Stan was too good that day. I mean, so was Roberta Vinci, but I think Vinci herself admits that Serena's nerves played a major role in Serena losing. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Serena Williams lost three matches all year. She won 53, she lost three. She was on course for the calendar slam. She dominated every single person in her path. She had one bad day. One bad day. Novak Djokovic lost six matches. She lost three matches. Serena Williams is the player of the year. When were Djokovic's bad days, David? I can't think of any. Well, he lost six matches. Yeah, but I, none of them were particularly bad days. As I say, maybe that match in Doha, his first match of the season against Ivo Karlovic, played in a sandstorm. Um, but uh, apart from that, I mean, I, and as I say, I think the point about the rivals being greater rivals to him... Uh, is a very significant one. I stand by my arguments. I'll let them breathe. Well, let's just check whether who's right or not, because Alan Mills is here with us, Wimbledon referee from many, many decades, and he will decide who is right and wrong uh, out of that player of the year. Alan, who, who's made the most convincing arguments? Well, to me, no doubt, Novak Djokovic is the player of the year. I think that the fact that his rivals are much better than Serena's rivals collectively... And he's still out there, far and far away, number one, winning all these Grand Slams and tournaments. But to me, there is absolutely no doubt. Well, I'd love to argue, but I'm not going to argue with Alan Mills because uh, he's right. It's as simple as that. He is the oracle, and that's all there is to it. Match of the year. So Catherine is 1-0 ahead. Uh, match of the year. Catherine Whitaker, do you want to go first or shall I go first? What do you want? Uh, go on, then. A match of the year, I'm afraid I'm going to be incredibly boring with this one. This is, I think, my most boring answer. I am going to go for Djokovic and Vavrinka at the French Open. That match had absolutely everything. High, high level of play, um, surprise, um, intensity throughout. Just it, every single moment of it were, was a joy. Of course, there were other major contenders, um, most of which are obvious as well, but I am going to go for that match. Scott Brown is saying James Ward defeating John Isner in that incredible 15-13 Davis Cup rubber in Glasgow. I'm going to go, Alan. I'm going to go for Roger Federer beating Andy Murray at Wimbledon in the semi-finals. Now, it was straight sets, but it was a virtuoso performance of such an extreme, the likes of which I still don't think I've seen before or since. I think it was the greatest tennis performance that I've ever seen, and I think it was uplifting in every single way. Catherine has gone for Stan Wawrinka against Novak Djokovic. I've gone for Roger Federer against Andy Murray. Who's right? Well, I think you're right. I think Roger Federer, actually, to watch him play is just uh, its like um, an ice skater to a certain extent. The way he moves around that court and the balance and everything... And that particular match, I agree with you entirely. He was absolutely unplayable. Oh, fantastic. This is great. Thanks, Alan. It's one all uh, after the first uh, couple of rounds here. Uh, we've got surprise of the year. Catherine, what, if, what have you got? Upset of the year, surprise of the year. Uh, Match-wise, I'm going to go for R- Roberta Vinci beating Serena Williams. I think that's probably surprise of the decade, surprise of the millennium, probably. 
Uh, my light-hearted answer is rumours I read this week that Grigor Dimitrov is going out with Nicole Scherzinger of Pussycat Dolls fame. Nothing wrong with that. As far as I'm concerned, he can do whatever he likes, can uh, Grigor Dimitrov. Uh, surprise of the year for me, Alan, is from the same tournament, one round later, Flavia Panetta winning the US Open. If somebody had told me that Flavia Panetta would be a Grand Slam champion at the end of her career, I would not have believed them. I would have thought, felt that I was in a parallel universe. Catherine has gone for Roberta Vinci beating Serena. I've gone for Flavia Panetta winning the US Open. Catherine, what is it? I'm saying Alan can go for the Nicole Scherzinger option as well. That is available, Alan. Okay, what are you going for, Alan? Well, I agree with you about Flavia winning a Grand Slam. No, she probably didn't think she'd ever win a Grand Slam either. But as a surprise, it has to be Vinci beating Serena Williams. There's no doubt about that. I mean, if you've got odds on that, it would have been probably 100 to 1 or something. And yes, all right, nerves played a big part in it as far as Serena was concerned. But just in black and white, Vinci beating Serena Williams, no. Shouldn't have happened, but did, so it's a great surprise. 2-1 Catherine. Now, we've got most disappointing player of the year. And uh, I'm going to go for this one for Eugenie Bouchard, who ended the year 49 in the world, having reached two semi-finals of Grand Slam tournaments last year in a Wimbledon final. Obviously, she's suffered with concussion of late. We wish her the very best and hope she's well soon. I'm going for Eugenie Bouchard. Who are you going for? I've, well, I very nearly went for Jeannie Bouchard, but I did a bit of mind games because I thought you would, and I didn't loathe to agree with you. You know, we've got to give Alan something to adjudicate. Uh, so I've got two answers, actually. I think uh, my slightly political, you know, serious answer is Sergei Stokowski. I think his comments were the most disappointing words I've heard from a tennis player this year. And, uh, yeah, it, genuinely disappointing. Uh, but tennis-wise... What happens on the court, I'm going to go for Grigor Dimitrov because of the promise, because of the failure to deliver on the promise. It's probably been his worst year recently. He did a very candid interview uh, on the ATP World Tour website, which is really worth a read. He admits himself that this year has been pretty much a write-off. Besides the Australian Open at the very beginning of the season, it's been an unmitigated disaster, really, and he's now... Um, facing a 2016 where he, you know, time is running out for him. Okay, Alan, it's your choice. Eugenie Bouchard or Grigor Dimitrov? No doubt. Eugenie Bouchard has to be. After the promise that she showed previously, then suddenly it seems to me as though she's got a little bit too confident and then suddenly things have started to happen and now her ranking is plummeting and she's got a long way to go to make it up. So it's two points apiece, Catherine Whitaker, after most disappointing player of the year. Next, we have most improved player of the year. So a little bit more positive, not quite so negative. What have you got? Um, it, took, it took me a while to think of this one. And then as soon as I thought of it, it seemed so obvious. I've gone for Belinda Bencic. I mean, what a year. She's still only 18. And uh, she, uh, just 18, in fact. And uh, I think she's extraordinary. I remember at Wimbledon last year in 2014 so a year and a half ago now she was playing on court 18 uh just behind our live at Wimbledon studio and Mats Volander turned around and was having a good look at her because she was the top junior in the world at the time and he said I'm not sure you know he said he thought there were some technical issues uh with her game and you know obviously showed promise but he just wasn't quite sure if she was going to be top of the game 
And by Wimbledon this year, he'd completely revised his view of her and he said he had, she had made technical changes and, boy, has that shown in her results. I mean, her result in Toronto was extraordinary this year. Probably one of the most standout weeks for any player this I year. Think she, I think she beat six consecutive Grand Slam finalists stroke winners. Including Serena Williams. Yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it, actually? Uh, do you know... I don't think. I was, I was racking my brains and looking through the men's top 100. I couldn't think of one male player that I would put in, even in, as a contender because it feels just like the status quo from, from a year ago. I, th- I think there are some sort of lower-ranked players who have really progressed up into the sort of 20-ish area. I think Dominic Teams had a very good year. He had a very good post-Wimbledon pre-US Open swing playing all those tournaments. But then I think he knackered himself out for the end of the year playing all of those tournaments. But he's risen a good number of places up the rankings. But in terms of the top order, there's nobody, there's nobody making a mark, is there? Whereas you could say Johanna Conta as obviously... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. She's gone from well outside the top 100 to 40-something in the world. Tamara Bichinski's done really well and got herself into the upper echelons. I, Alan Mills, I am going... For Garbinia Muguruza, who's the world number three. She was outside the world's top 20 a year ago. She's reached a Wimbledon final. And I don't care how well Belinda Benchis has done for one week of the year in wherever it was that you said. She hasn't got to a Wimbledon final. She hasn't got into the top five in the world, has she? But it's all relative. It's relative improvement, isn't it? Compared to where she was, she started the year far 
far further away than where she is now than, than Garbina Muguruza did. It's been a great year for her, but she had already made her mark the year before. She beat Serena Williams at the French Open 2014. We knew about Garbina Muguruza. Who reached the Wimbledon final and has been thrashing top players as though they're nothing. Let's let Alan Mills decide. He's the referee. He knows more than we do. Alan, what's your verdict? Well, no doubt about it. It's Benchich. Has to be Benchich, actually. For You're talking about the most improved player. If you look at her ranking and look at her ranking now, Mugarova was high up. She's moved a little way up there, but Benchich has moved a huge step, so I go for Benchich. If you could just see Catherine Whitaker's face right now. She's 3-2 up, and it's so irritating. But it's Alan Mills who's making these decisions, and I can't argue with Alan because he's the oracle. He's the man. So what have we got next? We have Coach of the Year, Catherine Whitaker. There are a number of contenders for Coach of the Year in 2015. Who have you got? Well, I can see who you've gone for, and you've been ever so imaginative. Uh, Do you know what? I have gone for Amelie Moresmo because my favourite... Moment. One of my favourite moments of the season was when Andy Murray reached the uh, Australian Open final by beating Thomas Burdick in the semi-final, and uh, he took the opportunity in his post-match speech to just pay enormous, touching, and very eloquent tribute to her. And I think this time last year we were talking about Andy Murray having been thrashed six love six one by Roger Federer at the O2, and that was being reflected upon Amelie Moresmo as a coach and uh, was completely undeserved. I think, as Andy Murray said in that speech and has said subsequently, it was an enormously brave thing to do for her to take that job. We've all seen, you know, the, uh, the, the noises that were made at the time, some veiled, some not, about a woman coaching a man. And I think most of those have been thoroughly silenced. I know she's not been an active coach of Andy Murray in the latter part of the season because she's had a baby um but he, you know he also dedicated a large part of his victory over Djokovic in the Montreal final to her as well he said I know she's not here but she played a massive role in this and uh, I think that should be recognized however two years ago Catherine Whitaker Novak Djokovic could not win a Grand Slam title anymore. He would get to major finals and he would basically have to tap out because other people were mentally stronger. They were better. A certain Boris Becker came along. Everybody laughed. Everybody said, this guy can't coach. He might have been a great player, but he can't coach. He's not going to make any difference. Ha, ha, ha. He lost in the quarterfinals of the Australian Open straight after Boris Becker was appointed. How about this year? Three Grand Slam titles, one match away from the calendar year Grand Slam Boris Becker is the coach of the year. I think, I mean, if you're going on numbers, I can't argue with you, but I, I think my, I think Alan's the sort of man that might have been moved by my heartfelt appeal in <laughs> Amelie's favour. Let's find out. Well, the beauty is, yeah, we don't have to worry about numbers. Alan decides. Alan Mills, what's your verdict? Well, I think it was a great appointment for Emily, for Andy to make with Emily. A very brave one, great one, and they've done very well together. But um, results stand up, and it has to be Boris. Catherine's head is bowed. and uh, This is so annoying because he's so authoritative. You just can't argue with it, can you? I mean, is this, we should have got sort of a less convincing referee for this that I could take issue with. I'm not saying a word against him. It's three points apiece, and it is neck and neck between Catherine Whitaker and myself here in the awards episode of the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. What have we got next? We've got the best meltdown. And this is something that Alan Mills is particularly familiar with, having spent 25 years looking after 
John McEnroe on the court and keeping him quiet. So he knows a thing or two about that. Catherine, what have you got? Best meltdown. Uh, it was sort of a slow motion meltdown over the period of a, of a whole match. I've gone for... It has to be Nick Kyrgios, doesn't it? I mean, you could probably pick out Which a few one? of his matches. I've gone for his slow-motion, protracted meltdown against Richard Gasquet at Wimbledon this year. So many incidents, accusations of of um, of tanking, headband incident, sock. Incident, what was the headband incident again? Throwing some throwing a racket into the crowd. What was the headband um, incident? Alan needs to hear this one. He wore a Wimbledon branded headband and was told to take it off because there was too much colour on it but instead of doing that he turned it inside out <laughs> turned it inside out that is very good however Coco Vanderway Alan at the US Open earlier this year a few weeks ago she was getting taken apart by Bethany Matic Sands and she got she, she was sort of sucking it up, trying not to get too angry, and then suddenly exploded. She stood up with her racket. She smashed it into the ground about eight times until it was in pieces. And then she got booed by the crowd, and she stood up, and she said to them all, What? What do you want? Oh, you want me to do it again, do you? So she picked up the broken racket, and she hit it down a few more times and got whistled off the court. Alan Mills, which was the best meltdown of the year? Well, that's a difficult one, actually, a very difficult one. But just because someone smashed the racket two or three times doesn't count as a meltdown. So I go for Nick Kyrgios. Oh, dear, this is frustrating. But Alan's right, isn't he? I can't argue. 4-3 to uh, Catherine as we head into haircut of the year, the most important one of the lot on the tennis circuit. Catherine Whittaker, you know your hairstyles. I've just got grey hair. What's your verdict on haircut of the year? I've gone for uh, Dominic Team's regrettable foray into bleach earlier this year. I think um, somebody I know that works works closely with the men's tool spoke to him about it, and he he said, "Oh yeah, I realise it looks terrible, but there's no going back now. I've got to grow it out." But I I think he did some re dyeing of it. I think he was telling everybody, "I know this is a bit of a mistake," but really he was looking in the mirror and loving it. But what more can you expect from a Chelsea fan? Well, while that is a... Well, <laughs> Alan Mills is a Manchester United fan. He particularly enjoyed that one. Uh, Alan, while you have obviously been persuaded to some degree by that relatively convincing argument from Catherine about the peroxide blonde hair of Dominic Team and the, uh, the regrettable nature of it, may I remind you that before Roger Federer became Roger Federer, he also had one of those hairstyles. Therefore, it's quite cool and it's not that embarrassing. Bethany Matic-Sands, however, played a match this year with blue hair. I give you blue hair, Catherine Whitaker. It's been done before. I've never seen what... By whom? I've never seen what Dominic Team did to his, his I hair. I told you Roger Federer had it. Yeah, in, in the 90s. I mean, ooh. Okay, oh. blue hair or blonde hair, Alan? It's 4-3 to Catherine. Do the right thing. <laughs> Well, obviously, it has to be blue hair, doesn't it? You know, blue hair is so outrageous that, you know, blue hair, it has to be. It's not that I take a lot of interest in the hairstyles of players. <laughs> I, I thought I'd won you over with the Chelsea fan element, Alan. I thought I thought that would Chelsea get you on my side. Dominic Team is a Chelsea fan. Oh, good. How, oh. Good for him. He must be enjoying himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice try, Catherine. Uh, now, we've got, we've got the uh, worst outfit of the year uh, category for the penultimate uh, s- section. Uh, what have you got, Catherine? I've got every outfit that Thomas Burdick wore this year. I think it was a, an, a, an appalling showing from H&M, his clothing sponsor. But maybe that's what they want, because I've just mentioned H&M 
on you know the world's best tennis podcast so maybe that was their plan all along but goodness me there were some pretty hideous grey slash brown slash weirdly patterned numbers throughout this year sorry thomas alan you uh, you understand rules better than me can i make a late change of mind am i allowed to just sort of change my mind from what i've written down there of course you can it's what you say at the moment Oh, brilliant. Well, I'm going to go with Stan Wawrinka's shorts because the beauty of them is they were so hideous, they became popular. It's like the terrible horror movie that is so awful, it becomes funny. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Stan Wawrinka's check white and red shorts, which have actually sold off the shelf in enormous numbers. I, I'd say that one. What do you say? Well, I can't say that just because they've sold so many actually means that they're that bad. That must have some good in them. I agree they didn't look too good, but I also agree that Thomas Burditch had so many different outfits that were horrific. <laughs> so my go to Thomas Burditch. <laughs> so Catherine is ahead 5-4 with one category to go. All I can do is draw. I tell you what, I did not expect to win the outfit round. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> now, the final one, we're going to have to help you out a bit with this, uh, Alan, because it is best tennis podcast guest of the year so far. Now, we've got, both got to make a very convincing case for this. There have been a number of them. We love you all, if you're listening, the people who have been guests on the tennis podcast. However, some are better than others. Catherine Whittaker, what you've got? what have you got? Oh, there have been a few. I mean, I very much enjoyed uh, Brad Gilbert because uh, I did that interview and uh, it was very little work for me because I didn't have to do any talking because he did it all for me. Uh, And it was all very interesting. Couldn't argue with any of it. Um, So, I mean, I I really am tempted to say Martina Navratilova because, I mean, we had Martina Navratilova as an exclusive guest on the podcast this year. I'm going to say Alan Mills. What do you Hey, that's cheating. Um, so I'm going to go for Brad Gilbert because when he gets going, boy, is he at, at the very least interesting. He certainly was interesting. I'm going to go for Martina Navratilova only for the reason that we, we had to select our options before this podcast because obviously I would have gone for Alan Mills. But So I've gone for Martina Navratilova, Alan, who was uh, a fantastic guest and she talked about her history uh, as a tennis player and moving from the Czech Republic to the United States and everything that was involved in her life and talked about the game, the current game today as well. She made some great predictions and she said, hello, this is Martina Navratilova. You're listening to the Tennis Podcast and recorded that for our opening. So we love her. Uh, Catherine's gone for Brad Gilbert. What's your verdict? It's 5-4, Catherine. Well, it's amazing, actually. You push that into my head, you know, just <laughs> like that. I would think, knowing Brad Gilbert, he never stops talking. But when he does talk, it's interesting. It's always interesting. You can't get a word in edgeways. So I'm afraid I'm going for the mail. Mr. Gilbert. So the, the verdict is Catherine Whitaker wins the awards selections for 2015 as, as nominated by and decided by Alan Mills, the Wimbledon referee of decades. And I can't argue, and I hate that. I feel like I've won Wimbledon. <laughs> you basically, that's the, that's the closest you'll ever get, I'll tell you that. Alan, it's been, I mean, it's really been a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us on the tennis podcast i mean we're recording this on on the day that you basically have announced your retirement from from the job as refereeing tennis tournaments we're here at the albert hall as part of champions tennis just 
can I just ask, in terms of your career, which players did you... I mean, aside from the job, which players did you like watching? Well, I mean, that's quite easy, really, actually. I mean, not necessarily watching. I mean, if a lot of people have said, who do I think is the best player that I've seen? And I go way, way back to Rod Laver, you know, because I think he, if he hadn't turned professional, he'd have had so many grand slams, you know, and all the others can forget about beating him. But uh, having said that, there were two players that I admired mostly, not just for the tennis, but for their attitude and the way they played the game and such. One was Stefan Edberg and the other was Pat Rafter. And I think those two, actually, to me... I'd just like to quote one instance of Edberg in Miami. You probably know that old players stay at hotels and practice is difficult on site, so they all take a case of balls to the hotel and practice. Case of balls, so you never see them again. Stefan gets to the final. He appears in the car park, which is about 400 yards away from where the office was. You see him get his big bag out and then a box out, and he walks all the way. And he said, here are, he said, here are the balls that I borrowed. He said, I'm sorry I haven't got the cans, but the balls are here. And he produced all the balls that he'd taken. You know, and to me, that means something, actually. Yeah, well, it's called the Stefan Edberg Sportsmanship Award for a good reason, isn't it? And, and Alan, in terms of um, from here on, do you, do you still watch tennis? Are you, I mean, in your retirement, are you going to keep an eye on what's going on? Oh, I certainly keep an eye on what's going on, yes. I think I've seen enough tennis in my lifetime not to go out particularly to watch. If I go to, we go to tournaments and whatever, you know, we're basically going to see people, rather, as we do at Wimbledon, actually. We hardly see a match at Wimbledon, even though we've got the facilities to go and do it. But we go and we see people that we only see once a year, and this is what we will be doing, actually, at other tournaments as well. That's great. And, and in your spare time, are you a gardener? What are you going to be doing with your time? I wouldn't say I'm a gardener, actually. I like instant colour. <laughs> so I go out and buy it, whatever's available at the time. Um, like playing golf, go out and play a bit of golf, but just really we just like being with family. And, and we've just moved house, so we've got a lot to do in the new house, so... We've got plenty to do. That's fantastic. Well, listen, it's really been a, a pleasure for us to have you with us on the Tennis Podcast. Thank you, David. Thank you, How cool's this been? Hey, we've had Alan Mills on the show. We've had Alan Mills on the show, and I, I've won Wimbledon. It's been, it's been. I mean, I, I, let's call it a day. I wish you'd been here a year ago, Alan. You might have stopped me cheating during our tennis match because I just couldn't handle the way it was going, and I actually just overruled a line call uh, on the other side of the net, and I was totally lying. I mean, I, I, I and she still then won the match again. So now she's won this. So it's basically three zero to you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, stop putting the microphone under my under my nose because all I can do is gloat here and it doesn't sound good on the radio. No, it doesn't. Let's stop there. Alan Mills, Catherine Whittaker, I'm David Law. Thanks for listening and we'll speak to you next year. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.